Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. I've alluded to in the past how I use essential oils in my life to uplevel my health. They're just basically a tool in my healthcare tool belt. If you're confused about how to use essential oils and you have no idea how to incorporate them in your life, I want to provide you with my top 10 ways to use essential oils cheat sheet. So head on over to bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. That's bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. O-I-L-C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to get your free copy now. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 107. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Elisa Kurlowitz. Elisa is a high-performance sports athlete local to the Ottawa area. She's a two-times national champion and World Cup gold medal-winning athlete in the sport of freestyle mogul skiing. She followed her athletic career with 11 years coaching at the provincial and national levels. Coaching is her passion, yet the topics and direction have evolved from technical skiing into a more spiritual practice of helping to inspire others to be their best selves. She believes that there is so much more to life than the 9-to-5 job, and so she's sharing her life lessons from her ski career and failing to qualify for the Olympic Games, to getting married and then divorced one year later, to gaining and then losing 85 pounds, and then taking a leap of faith, following her gut, and changing her life completely. She's a fellow podcaster, and you can find her show, Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, at elisaunfiltered.com. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Hi, thanks uh, so much for having me. I'm so excited that Amber recommended you when I started creeping you on Instagram. I knew I had to get you on the show. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, Amber is uh, a quite good a connector. Spe- yeah, she's a spectacular woman, that one. Yeah. So uh, when I sent over the definition of what an alpha female is today, based on uh, not only like my own definition, but other guests have kind of helped carve it out. What did you think of it? Well, initially, um, for the record, like I love just the term alpha female. I mean, you don't hear those types of um, words put together very often in today's society. So it's kind of cool because typically we hear the alpha male is sort of the predominant um, person in the room, but there are definitely alpha females out there, whether it's defined um, the way you've defined it, or like you said, you know, it's, it's continuously added to, and it's continuously evolving. I love, I love the name alpha female. Let's put it that way. Cool. So how do you see yourself as one? Um, well, it's, it's definitely evolved for me as well. Like I, I see myself as just somebody who has gone through a many life's many life challenges and I've taken the time to connect with myself and to become aware that I'm responsible for myself 100% of the time. So 
with that, I mean, I've been able to lead by example within my life and inspire others to do the same. And my whole, my whole life, I've been striving my best self, let's just say, but it's only been in the last few years where I've been able to actually live that. It's not just a thought in my mind or like a dream. I'm actually doing that. And it has to do with awareness, awareness of what I'm thinking of what I believe, and then taking responsibility for my actions. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool how, um, that has really attracted people into my life, really special people, like-minded people, inspirational people, hardworking people, all of the above. And it's, um, yeah. When you start living based on, uh, when like your passions or what you feel like you're supposed to live in your purpose. Now you start attracting the right people. Exactly. Yeah. It's so true. Um, and it's weird when we actually come from a place of, I know authentic is like overused in today's, um, society, but I like, I don't know how else to describe it, but when we start living authentically, um, and doing things that our heart desires and loves, uh, then the right people all of a sudden just start showing up. Yeah, it's true. And to be honest, like several years ago, I thought I was living authentically. It's really interesting how when you're not balanced in your life or you're not being true to yourself, how you can, how that authentic, that word can be blurred a little bit. Um, I always like, I've looked back, um, and pondered some of the decisions I've made in the past thinking I was being very authentic, but I really wasn't. So it, it is, it is like a coined term, but not everybody really truly understands what the definition is of being authentic. Mm-hmm. I, um, I've had a few guests come on and this has resonated with me. It's now one of my core desired feelings, but again, I think it's along the lines of authentic. It's very hard to define and that's living in, living in alignment. And so feeling, it, feeling aligned to the things that you do every single day. And when you feel in alignment, in alignment, um, you you know, that happy and healthy, um, kind of perfect bubble starts to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. And then, and then you can really step into who you are. And I think that really, um, brings out that alpha female in you when you're really stepping into what you love and living your passions and your dreams, that that's living your best life in my opinion. I love it. So, you know, we read in the bio that you've gone from high performance sports athlete to coach to you've got your own podcast. Um, so as you kind of create your lifestyle now, do you want to share with the listeners, um, kind of what does work and life harmony look like for you? Yeah, sure. Well, I have to say, um, my, career as a freestyle skiing athlete. I did ski for Canada for eight years, um, and then went immediately into coaching. That was at the time, something that I really wanted to do. And I, I, I have a passion for the sport. Um, but my world was very small. I lived in a, in a bubble sort of in this athletic community bubble. I traveled 220 days a year. Um, and eventually I started getting the sense that I wasn't, I didn't have work-life harmony at all. I, I didn't, you know, have strong relationships. Um, I was, I was, I missed so much because I was traveling so much for work. I missed, you know, even 
like weddings, funerals, birthdays, those types of things that I started to value more in my life. And so things were off. I was not, um, uh, like in balance, I guess. So I had to make a change. I had to shift. And, and that was a very difficult decision for me because I, skiing was my passion and coaching is my passion. And I didn't know how to transfer those skills that I had learned and developed in the high performance community into sort of a sustainable, um, life outside of sport. So a couple opportunities did present themselves to me where I could work as a server and make some money and then get out of the coaching world completely. So I kind of went on a limb and I, and I took those, took that opportunity. So I, I, I put in, I resigned from, from coaching and it was, it was challenging because there was a lot of people who were trying to convince me that it was a bad decision. I, I was the highest ranking active female coach in Canada at the time. So um, and, and I had run a very successful program with athletes that were, you know, making national, the national program that were striving in the sport. So I had a lot of pushback when I decided that this wasn't right for me, but there was like this calling inside of me, this, this voice that knew that it was something that I had to do. I was really afraid. I didn't know where this direction in life was going to go, but I had to find that harmony in my life. Like there was something huge missing. So I kind of just took this leap of faith and changed everything. So I, I like, I moved downtown Ottawa. I changed my jobs. I broke up with my boyfriend and just kind of started at square one. And I was serving and a lot of people were like, Oh my gosh, you're like this high level coach and you have accomplished ABCDEFG and now you're waitressing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And you know what? It's awesome. And I clock in, clock out for the first time in my life. I like actually have a set work schedule. It's not like I'm working 24 seven and I, I was making great money. I was meeting new people. It was in the time kind of, um, I, I, I chose not to believe in what the world and what society was telling me. I chose to just follow my instinct and, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made. And here's why. So part of, um, part of my job before was, um, working, in doing some promotions and stuff for the freestyle teams. And I started getting kind of good at social media. So I decided to, you know, start promoting myself and I grew my Instagram account in 18 months from 200 followers to 18,000. Um, I currently almost have 21,000 followers. I blog on my Instagram, um, and, uh, companies and people around Ottawa were kind of recognizing that and they, started to hire me to consult with, um, different social media accounts. So I started doing that and it was something that I really enjoyed. It allowed me to be creative, um, which is, is, is another passion for me. I love exercising my creativity. And, um, so I started building this little side social media business and through my contacts through this restaurant, 
people were starting to get to know me and I was starting to make more connections just because the flow of people in and out of this restaurant, they like recognized me, they were hiring me. And now I basically, I'm very part-time in the restaurant just because I love it. I'm not going to give that up yet because it's such a great job, but those connections have allowed me to flourish in this other position. So it's kind of neat how it all sort of worked together. Um, and that is like priceless to me. I was following my instinct and creating this working environment that really draws and pulls from my strengths and allows me to be passionate about my work. So I, I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more like that in itself creates harmony in my life. So whether I'm cool, um, I absolutely love, and I want to kind of drill into some things when you were talking about how like one aspect of your life and coaching and reaching, you know, quote unquote, based on society standards, this success level, but it just didn't feel good because other buckets in your life weren't full. And, um, there's, I, two things come to mind. Um, there's a podcaster, the good life, uh, project. Um, and he's got a book and about these like good life buckets. And if your buck, if all the good life buckets aren't full, like something feels off. Um, or there's a lot of people that plan, you know, if you take a pie chart of all the different aspects of your life and you kind of fill out, you know, if, if career is full, that aspect of the pie chart is full. But if, you know, family and relationships is really low, you've got like a small piece of the the pie there that's not optimized. And, um, if one place feels off, it's like, how do we, how do we optimize that more? How do we spend time there? Do we need to set goals and, um, or just put a priority on that aspect of our life? And so I love that you just stayed true to yourself and said, something feels off. You know, this is no longer a priority for me. I've reached a level of success, but I need to answer something else that needs to be, needs to be full. Um, so that's, that's super cool. And I also love that you're, I know you giggled when you said, um, I became a server, but I love this because there's so many people that listen to the podcast who have reached out to me and they've said, you know, I'd love to come on because I'm doing a really good job of taking care of myself, but I'm not, you know, a million dollar entrepreneur. And I was like, but that doesn't matter. That is not what an alpha female is to me. An alpha female is someone that just has goals and dreams and takes care of themselves at the same time. And so um, I love um, that, like the giggle that was there because society tells you that it's not something that you can scream from the top of a roof, but I love that you're owning it. And um, I'm all for that. And it's cool how new things present different networking opportunities so that we meet the people that we're supposed to meet at certain times of our life. Yes. Yes. And, and just to add something more to that, like when all of this happened, um, I, like I have, I'd heard the voice in my head before, like, this isn't right for you. And I've chose not to listen to it. And, you know, everything was fine. Everything stayed status quo. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I am an alpha female is because I discovered that the status quo just is not enough for me. There's, there's more out there for me. And yes, I'm afraid. Yes. I was really afraid to make that step. However, harmony within my life is, is a value to me. It's of the highest of value. So I, so that's why I chose to just to change it. 
That's so cool. There's been a lot of guests too that talk about how when you um, live based on your values, you live more in alignment. And so that's always a really cool conversation to see what people um, actually value. So, you know, we kind of shared also in your bio that you've gone through quite a lot of things from losing a lot of weight to um, going through a divorce. So was there ever um, like a huge aha moment throughout either of those journeys where you kind of said enough is enough, I need to um, do better by myself? Yes. So one of the things that happened to me within my athletic career was I was striving for the 2006 Olympic winter games. It was in Torino. And I mean, my whole life, I wanted to go to the Olympics. I was a very disciplined athlete. I worked really hard. However, throughout that journey, I wasn't exactly, um, enjoying, I was, I was very outcome oriented. So I wanted to go to the Olympics. That was the outcome. And I didn't pay enough attention to the process of how to get there. And I, I probably didn't make the best decisions in my career leading up to that moment. However, when it came down to it, um, I was ranked second in Canada at the time. They were sending four women to the games. And however, the qualification period, the qualification um, um, criteria had wasn't the same as the national ranking. It's kind of weird. You had to qualify through specific events and I was choking. So I wasn't performing at the actual events that I needed to perform at in order to qualify myself for the games. So I ended up choking at the last event. Um, I came 13th, um, in the world and I needed a top 12. So I essentially missed the games by like two one hundredths of a point. So very, very, close margins. I ended up being the fifth woman. Um, and I, like I said, they sent four, so I didn't go. And then all of a sudden my world kind of crashed and I didn't really know what to do with myself. Cause I just spent the last, you know, eight, 10 years striving towards a school and it was over. Um, so I went into this downward spiral. I drank, um, a lot of alcohol. I treated my body with disrespect. I ate, um, probably enough itchy band noodles to feed a small country. And, um, I love that you knew exactly what you were eating. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, at the time I was in a relationship, I ended up getting married to this particular individual. He was not in line with me at all. However, th- I just was making one bad decision after the next. I got up to about 226 pounds was, and I'm a, a woman that is five foot seven. So I was in the obese category for, um, for my height. Uh, and I just was really not true to myself, not connected, unaware of all of these things as they were happening. I still saw myself as a high performance athlete. However, I wasn't anymore. And I, I, I kind of, after the Olympics, I definitely hit a rock bottom. Uh, a year later, I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, holy cow, what has happened to you? And I was, I was in a, the lowest point of my life. Um, then my relationship with my ex-husband took a turn for the worse and I decided to leave him. I'll spare the details. <laughs> um, but once one, that actual decision gave me a little bit of strength and it gave, it empowered me a little bit that I can make hard decisions and I can change my life. And there was a, a very definitive, aha moment for me 
I actually was standing, I woke up one day and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I couldn't even recognize the person staring back at me. I just, I couldn't believe where I'd become, what I had become and where I had gone in the last, you know, at this point it had been like three or four years after the Olympics. It took me about three or four years to really, really recognize that I was not living an authentic life at all. So I did have an aha moment. I was like, I, I am so much more than this. Like what the heck happened to you? I don't know how I'm going to change it, but I need to start somewhere. And today is the day. So, um, I actually went and saw a counselor. I went and saw somebody who gave me a little bit of perspective and I, I started to, I began my journey of self-love. <laughs> I love that. And I absolutely love that you talk openly about going to therapy. I'm a massive proponent of therapy. And I actually just, we're recording this at the beginning of February. And I just um, kind of verbal diarrhea on my, on my Instagram that I'm going back. I've been going on and off to therapy I'm the type of person that I do like four sessions. I'm like, I'm healed. And then <laughs> something comes up and I'm like, okay, going back. And then I like another four sessions. I'm like, okay, I feel good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love that. Sometimes we just, we really need that third person certified individual that can guide our thoughts and, um, put perspective on things where you know, we usually can put ourselves into such amazing I say amazing because like we can put ourselves into these story spirals that just can like keep going and keep going. So, yeah. And you, and you really need to start somewhere. And I didn't want to be, I decided also that I had been in denial for so many years about what was going on and I needed to change that. I did need to change my story. I was telling myself the same things over and over again about how fat I was, how, how disgusting I was, how I'm a failure. Like all of those things were just like on repeat and I didn't even know it. So going to therapy really like helped me to change the dialogue and start to, um, I, I use the word self-love. I mean, that is also kind of a, a term that's been thrown out a lot. Um, but that has evolved so tremendously for me in the last like five years from where I thought I was loving myself to now it is night and day and how I treat myself and my dialogue now is so empowering. And there, there's so many, um, people out there that, you know, treat themselves poorly in their minds and they expect something different. I don't know if that's the way to put it. They expect their lives to be a certain way, but they don't even give themselves the tools and the self love to support that. And that's why I put in the definition of an alpha female that she needs to put herself first, like, like period end of sentence. Um, cause I had originally had an, an alpha female puts herself per first so that she could be more for her friends and her family, but then that puts other people ahead of us. Um, and now it's just a beautiful byproduct that we are healthier, um, and more loving towards those that are around us. And that's why we nurture relationships in our life. But if we don't like period end of sentence, take care of ourselves, um, then we, then we get very lost. Um, so I love that. So maybe share with us, um, and 
I love hearing different kind of tips and tricks from my guests. But uh, when you realized that you needed to put yourself first, how did you um, decide to start nourishing yourself differently? Well, the first and foremost thing was I needed to bring awareness to my thoughts and my beliefs. That was the number one thing that I, that I did. So I actually journaled. Um, I started to write down some of the things that I said about myself and I actually have this journal and I podcast about it. Um, I've actually podcast about it and shared some of the, the things that I used to say, but that was the turning point for me because being aware of how I thought about myself allowed me to change those thoughts or at least stop them from happening or change the direction of where I was going with the story. Um, it also helped me to, uh, recognize what I believe, uh, my beliefs about who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And also it helped me to see where I can, where those beliefs came from and who taught me those things and understand that I can change them. I, I don't have to believe what the world believes or what my parents believe or my friends or society. I can believe in who I am and my goals and passions. I don't need to conform to the norm. That's not who I am. I'm not happy. Excuse me. I'm not happy in that place. So that was the first thing. So I, I, I became aware of my thoughts and beliefs the, uh, the next thing that I started to do was I, I started to walk the walk and be true to my word, uh, which is something that's kind of challenging to, to be true to your word, to do what you say, um, and, and, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk and lead by example. That's where I started and things just really snowballed from there. It's, um, it's interesting, like when we do have that aha moment, because we have so many tools from, you know, being overachievers to perfectionists to, you know, to do list makers, it's just like, okay, and about face, and these are all the things I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to take care of myself and go. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm sure, uh, did routines, uh, from your athletic days come back? Like, did you go back to what you knew worked for yourself? Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, I did start really small. Like it, it isn't when it's kind of overwhelming to make a lot of change for, at least for me, like for most people, for most people. Yeah. So I really did start small and I took my time and I actually, it was suggested to me by my therapist to, um, journal out my thoughts and beliefs for a year. And that might sound like a long time to some people, but really in the span of my entire life, it's not that long. And it really gave me a lot of awareness as to what my ego or my personality, whatever you want to call it, is actually saying and where it's coming from and what's driving it, what's the driving force. So I definitely took it really slow. I don't, I don't even know how to like describe it. Like there's a lot of pressure from the world to be a certain somebody. And I just, all of a sudden one day kind of didn't really care what other people thought of me. Yeah, no. And it's true in terms of the, the, the slow versus trying to do all the things, even though we think we can do all the things. Um, I like to, talk about and I actually haven't really gone into some of the steps but 
a lot of my audience knows that I called off um, a wedding in 2012 and left a very toxic relationship and um, started rebuilding my life. And one of the chapters in my book is um, just getting healthy again because I had I had started emotionally eating, not going to the gym. And I remember like for the first month, it was, let me just get the right amount of water into my body that I need. And then I'll, I'll try going to the gym one time a week. And I'm recovering from adrenal fatigue right now. I did, I did 20 obstacle course races in 2015, a year after I was diagnosed with MS. (laughs) So, um, that's why I say like, Sometimes alpha females can go all in and think they're doing all the right things. And um, two years later, I'm st- uh, I've started recovering. I didn't race at all in 2016 or 17. And um, my word for this year is consistency and slow consistency. And I've been in the gym three times a week for five weeks, and it feels good. But my my old obstacle course racing self is like, you need to be in the gym six days a week. You need to be doing two a days. And my, my MS self is like, you're doing really good. Like, keep it up. <laughs> so yes. yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it's so true that like, we just need to go back to basics. And when we do, our bodies are like, thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It, the slow change for me, it definitely allowed me to this whole learning experience and self-growth and self-love, it allowed it to be, um, like sustainable. Um, it also allowed me when the time came to make that giant shift and be ready to make that big change in my life with my career. Um, and my, I guess, work-life harmony. If I hadn't done that work before, I don't know, it would have been a train wreck or I would still be coaching and miserable. And the, like that slow, that slow change, that slow awareness of thought, just, it was, it was literally everything for me. So cool. Okay. So let's get into what is your weekly movement or fitness routine? Like, are you still, are you still skiing? Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I ski as often as I can. I mean, um, I have a pass at Tromblon this year. I go as often as I can. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of ski friends in Ottawa to go with. Like that's kind of a challenge, but I oftentimes just go by myself and I do have friends up at Tromblon that I meet up with. Uh, so it's really fun. I do ski for the most part. Um, I'm big into yoga. I do, um, I do practice yoga weekly. I also run. So running has been, has become a big passion for me. And that was something that, um, it's kind of a cool story where, uh, my brother was doing national capital race day, like, I don't know, seven years ago. And he hurt his knee. He was doing the 10 K he hurt his knee and was like, Hey, do you want my bib? Do you want to do this? Because I'm not going to run it. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll do it. I was still like overweight at the time. And like, just starting to shift and come out of like the funk that I was in. So I was like, why the heck not? So I went by myself. I had no one cheering me. I just drove there and like did this race. And as I was running, I had this overwhelming like feeling that, yeah, this is, this is awesome. I want to do this way more often. And it wasn't like, um, me against the world. It was just me against me. And I, I loved it. So I kind of submersed myself into the running community and, um, it's cheap exercise as a cheap form of exercise. I didn't have 
a lot of means back then. So I just like bought runners and like would go and start training. And since that, since that day, I've actually run seven marathons. I ran my seventh marathon this past November in Philadelphia. Um, I've done like, I don't know, 15, 20 half marathons, a bunch of 10 Ks. Um, and it's, it's super motivating for me. So I, I run, um, probably anywhere, depending on what I'm training for. Cause when I'm doing marathon training, it's definitely more often, but I would say between three and six days a week. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. What's your next big race? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I I'll probably do the national capital, which is in May. I, I usually start racing you know, in the spring doing shorter distances and I reserve the longer distances for the fall. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the space where I want to do one marathon a year. Um, just cause it takes, it takes a lot of training and commitment to do it in a healthy way. In my opinion, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that run tons of marathons every year. It just doesn't seem like that fits with my lifestyle at the time or, or right now. Yeah, I feel you. And, um, I think I was trying to prove that I was stronger than MS. So I was like, let me do all the races. And now I'm like, you know what? Three sounds really good. And like, I, I've got two OCRs on the plate and um, I want to run my first trail half marathon in October. Oh, fun. That's cool. So I'm just like that. Oh, that feels good. Less actually can be better. And um, I think I did. I, I just stopped hanging out with really epic athletes. And so I, <laughs> um, that was my thing. I moved from Toronto back to Ottawa and I stopped hanging out with uh, elite OCR racers. And I'm like, oh, now I feel good about three races versus 20. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how that those small little changes can really affect your overall, your overall well-being. I, for me, I try to consistently put myself in a place where I'm not overwhelmed. And I constantly ask myself the question, like, is this in my highest good? Is this in my best interest? And then there's always an answer. And the answer for me, my instinctual answer is like a yes or a no, or a maybe it's like a one word answer. And then the ego will step in and start telling the story. It's like, well, you know, you could be like these people or, you know, if you want to be elite, you got to do 20 or whatever the story starts coming in, whatever that might be. So it's for me, when it comes to my fitness regime, I, I do stick to the things that I love to do because that keeps me consistent. If I didn't like going to the gym and like, I personally don't like lifting weights. It's not something I love to do. I do it sometimes to prepare myself for a marathon. However, it's, I don't like doing it, so I'm not going to do it. So I, I've, I've, I've found um, act, activity that I love, and it allows me to do it. However, if I wake up one day and my instinct is kind of like, eh, today is not a good day, I, I, I honor that, and I, I, I don't go. <laughs> That's cool. It takes a lot for anyone to start learning to listen to their body, especially when it's like ego versus body based, because there's so many times where your body's like. Uh, no, I need to rest. And you're like, uh, I'm going to be lazy if I sit on the couch and not go to the gym or not go for a run. Um, and it's such a struggle, but one that we all learn in the time that we're supposed to learn it in. Exactly. And it's to like recognize that that storyteller is not who you are. It's all the beliefs you've accumulated from other people, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So this is a new question for 2018 that I haven't asked too many of my guests, but 
um, one of the listeners suggested that I ask, what piece of advice would you tell your 20-year-old emerging alpha female self? That uh, is an interesting one. So when I was 20, I was uh, fresh on the Canadian world. Like I was on fresh on the Canadian team on the World Cup tour. So I was traveling to 10 to 15 countries a year competing. Um, and I really only had that one goal of, of making the Olympics. What I would tell my 20 year old self is to be in touch with my inner self, to listen and, and bring awareness to that little voice inside instead of burying it because of what other people think I should be doing. Mm, I love it. Um, okay. What are some pain points now that you're problem solving for? So they could be anything from like how people perceive you, um, still trying to deal with society expectations or how you manage yourself, how you structure your day. So what are some pain points or just singular pain point that you're problem solving for? Um, so one thing that a lot of, uh, that I get all the time is how come you're single? Uh, you know, you're, you're 36 years old, you should be having babies. You need to have, uh, get married, find a young boy or a, a man and settle down, not a young boy <laughs> and settle down, you know, like, well, my grandmother says that to me all the time because <laughs> all the boys are young, but, um, it's, it's, it, it's that, that is the, the, something that I'm battle that I battle quite often. Um, it's not necessarily a pain point because I'm actually really happy with, uh, all of the growth that I've done and where I'm at at this point. I definitely want somebody in my life that can accompany me and be more of a partner to me. Um, I'm not dating. I'm not actively dating, I should say. And I, I, I feel like the universe will provide me with what I need when I need it. So that's something that I have to continuously remind myself when somebody pressures me to go on a date with somebody or like, you know, does the whole baby story. <laughs> baby story. Yeah. I hear you. I, um, it, what well, was one of the reasons why I was in a relationship that was not good for me and, um, calling off the wedding a month before felt like the world was collapsing around me. Um, and always hindsight is like, Oh, thank goodness, because that was not the right relationship for you. Um, and it's hard when people are, you know, everyone's getting married around you. I believe the advent of social media is another reason why we, we get into these, these struggles and these places because we see everyone around us posting all of the pictures of the, you know, the, the ring shots and the babies that follow a year later. And you're like, Oh, is, am I supposed to do that? Is that supposed to happen? Um, and, uh, it's, it's so hard to figure out who you are and to kind of block out that noise and do the social media detoxes when you need to put blinders on because, um, there are so many different triggers around you. Um, but it is, it becomes a pain point only when other people inject themselves into your life and they, they comment or send you messages or family members, um, you know, around a dinner table saying something. Um, but it's like, I'm loving my life right now. And, um, 
I just met um, a beautiful guy that got me to move back here. And I giggled because when you said young boys, he's six years younger than me. So we, we, we like to make jokes about that. Um, but even when I, even when I met him, I still felt incredibly like mentally broken and I was still trying to figure out myself and how, um, how I make myself happy. And, uh, I was at such a great point that I could meet somebody, but again, like I tried to start dating right away, um, after leaving the toxic relationship and I was an absolute disaster and an absolute wreck and I shouldn't have been in the dating world. And so the time it takes for any of us to heal, um, and find who we are as people is so, so very different. And whenever we make a flippant comment to somebody else's journey or path, um, can always be triggering. So I'm very, I'm, I'm glad that I've got that perspective. So I'm very careful about what I say to others now. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely like some great personal work and the personal awareness of what, um, what you've learned through this whole process. I think that's, that's essential. Um, for, for me, like I, when people make those comments, I, I get, a, I take it personally when I start to believe them. So I need to be careful with, um, like every single day with, within social media, I mean, when you have a, a, a following that's like, like when you have a following like mine, I have a lot of supportive followers. I love them. I love my IG community, but there's always opinions and I'm controversial. So I blog all the time about things in my life and people comment back and I, I just take it as a grain of salt. I understand that they're coming from their own perspective. They're not coming from um, from mine and I choose not to believe what they say. So that's when I am, when I am feeling emotional or I do get a feeling when someone makes a comment, I need to like recognize where's that feeling coming from? What part in me needs to heal so I can move on from this? Because my goals are very clear in my mind and how I want to live my life has evolved and become so clear. And I'm so passionate about that and living my best life. And I follow that um, follow that direction. But every now and then, you know, you get those little hooks, um, you get those little hooks from people and it's like, okay, why am I feeling this way? I need to, I need to, uh, you know, take some time. Sometimes there isn't an answer. Like you can't actually come up with anything, but as long as I recognize that I'm feeling this way, it will allow me to let it go. Like I, it's easier for me to let it go and pass through the moment. That makes sense. I love it because I also think that bloggers, social media influencers, um, anybody that puts their their stuff out in public and chooses to be quote unquote vulnerable about things, which is also overused. I'm like, we're just talking about life. <laughs> we're just talking about what's going on on a larger platform. Um, but it does teach us that when when we do get those comments, it it's taught me to look at other people's perspective and see, oh, how could they be viewing this? Or how am I a mirror for them and triggering them? Um, and Or if someone comments and it triggers me, why is that a trigger for me? And so um, I think bloggers and podcasters and social media influencers, when they take the time to be really introspective about all of those things, um, it's absolutely amazing for our growth. It's not fun, Um to, to get quote unquote negative comments. Um, but it, but it is amazing for self-awareness, um, and for empathy as well. I agree. 
I did want to touch on one other pain point outside of that is, is, um, something that is, I value the most is my time and how I spend my time and who I choose to spend time with. Um, I am essentially an entrepreneur at this point. So I, I could work 24 seven if I wanted to. Um, and I've also, so one, one of the things I'm working through is giving myself personal me time, um, allowing myself to take, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes in the mornings to lay on my yoga mat. And sometimes I do like a flow or a practice. And sometimes I roll out on my roller. Sometimes I just lay there and breathe and almost meditate, if you will. Um, and then, and then time spent with toxic people is something that's high on my radar. I, I, it's not like I have, I I've, I've cut out many people in my life. Um, because they're just, we're not in line anymore. And it's not because they're bad people. It's just because we're not in line. And I, I, I don't want to spend time with people that I'm constantly trying to pull up or that aren't inspiring me in some way, shape or form. Like I actually heard this thing. Will Smith was saying this the other day of look at your top five people that you've text messaged. Are those people people that lift you up, that inspire you, that make you feel good about your life or or not? And if they're not, why are they in your life? Hmm. It's fascinating. That's the the whole play on Jim Rohn's uh, You Are the Five People That You Surround Yourself With. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating that in like the social media world, it's like, hmm, the top five people you text or Instagram DM with, are they, <laughs> are they lifting you up? Are they sending you the heart emojis or are they sending you poop emojis? <laughs> so yeah, so time is a big, is a big thing for me. And I, I definitely have got myself into some bad situations or I've overworked myself or I've, um, yeah, just not giving myself the time to decompress or, or breathe. <laughs> and that got me into some trouble here. It does get me into some trouble here and there. So I need to be aware of that. Yeah. Protecting our boundaries is such a beautiful conversation. And I'm surrounding myself with a lot of people that teach that because it's hard to create boundaries because we all want friends. We all want connection. And we feel like if we create a boundary, then we're going to lose that friendship or lose that connection where it's just kind of um, teaching them how to treat you in a way that is beneficial to both parties. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how pain points show up and then the right teachers show up for us um, for what we need to learn. Yes, I love that. So this comes to the end of the show. I usually try to keep them 30 minutes, but I feel like I could talk to you forever. So let's wrap up with um, what is your definition of happiness? So my definition definitely is evolving all the time. I actually just did a podcast on happiness like last month. And even since that podcast, it has sort of shifted. For me, for me happiness is the ability to sit with myself alone on my yoga mat and just be okay and understand that, um, and know deep in my body and at the soul level that everything's going to be okay. And I don't need anything else, but myself, I don't need people to fill my cup. I have love inside of me. I'm, I'm able to sit there and, and be happy and be okay. (laughs) 
And that, and that's very new for me because I wasn't able to do that forever. It's just kind of happening and I love it. And it's, it's, I am all I need. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode. And just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.